Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real, and mostly unedited. This show is for ages 14 and up, because sometimes you just need to use a swear. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So, today's show is going to be another classic musical, so not the weird stuff, from the 1950s. So this will be a little bit more uh, sanitized for the general population? Yes. Okay, I, you know, I can use a break. I can use a break <laughs> from... From the acid trips to have some some semblance of normality. Yeah, we're, we're gonna kind of bring it down a little bit, make it a little bit calmer, have a plot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of plot. Okay, so so what what is the show we're doing this week? So today's show is a musical, of course, based on a play that was named after a Greek myth that it has nothing to do with, but I'm a nerd, so there. <laughs> So we're going to be covering Jay Lerner and Frederick Lowe's My Fair Lady. This is going to be our first adventure through Lerner and Lowe's shows. That is a almost a alliteration that I'm fond of. Lerner and Lowe's shows. It rhymes. It's it's awesome. <laughs> what other stuff has Lerner and Lowe done that you can think of off the top of your head? Uh, Camelot, Brigadoon. Brigadoon I've heard you reference before. Yes. Okay. Okay. And we'll be doing those later. Probably not this run of ten, because I want to space out the classics, but... No. Yeah. You are the captain of this ship. I am the oh. anchor that you're dragging oh, behind trouble. you. <laughs> so, My Fair Lady is based on George Bernard Shaw's play Pygmalion. <laughs> Pygmalion? Yes. So... The Greek myth was like a statue that came to life, but that's nothing to do with this show. But so, oh god, oh god, you said nothing to do with this show, so I'm like, okay, just drop it, just drop it from there. But my brain is still like Pygmalion. That's like now I need to do a doodle of what my brain <laughs> thinks when it hears Pygmalion. It's like man bear pig, but an alien. Pygmalion. I'm picturing like, you know, the stereotypical little green men or, or gray men with the big eyes, but like a pig nose, maybe a little bit more xenomorphy with like the spines and the tail, the Pygmalion. Oh, that needs to be on a t-shirt. That's it. That's it. When, when we, when we're super popular and we're merchandising, we're going to make a Pygmalion t-shirt. Oh my God. Even five minutes in, and I'm already dead. <laughs> Whew, okay. okay. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. It's all right. Please continue, Kay, with the story of Pygmalion, or I guess not referencing Pygmalion. So, my fair lady uh, held the record for the longest running show when it first came out. Okay, I was going to say, I feel like you say that with every show we do. This was the longest running show, mm -hmm. and then. Yeah, but no one has been beaten by the Fantastics yet, so. Okay. So, you know, get on it. <laughs> get on it. Um, so, 
its origins uh, began when the rights to the play uh, uh, Pygmalion were acquired by film producer Gabriel Pascal. Several people tried their hand at adapting the show for him, but no one could do it. Uh, even Rod, even uh, Rogers and Hammerstein tried, and just couldn't do it because this show was kind of a rebel in its time for musical theater. So at this time, shows were kind of expected to have large ensemble casts and to also uh, have a love story. When you say large ensemble, that means like people in the background dancing other than the main yes. cast, right? Okay. Yes. Hey, I knew something. <laughs> That's awesome. And so with with this show, yeah, you're doing good. You're retaining a lot. Uh, pfft, uh, this, this is a fluke. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll continue, and then you'll you'll immediately backtrack on what you just said. Or I'll be like, yeah, go Warren, yay. Let's like, be positive. Like I knew my mother was wrong when I married you. <laughs> just kidding. I love you, mother-in-law. <laughs> oh my god. So, um. Like I said, this show didn't have a love story, which was rare for shows like this. In fact, like, it was taboo to not have a love story in a big ensemble in these shows. And My Fair Lady didn't have anything that they could shoehorn in for that at the time. Okay. Does, does, okay, does the version we're going to watch have a love story? Okay, so not, so not really. It's not, okay, I was just curious if that ended up changing for they the did audience. make some changes to the show but you know it's it's one of those things that kind of like with hair where the conventions of like plot were <laughs> <laughs> were considered to be necessary for a show and honestly it still kind of is um like for for at this time you needed to have a love story and it needed to be flowery and it needed to be like Brigadoon has a love story and that's Lerner and Lowe's show. But this, yeah, yeah, eh, eh, kinda. Okay. Ish. Ish. Um, there's two people who get closer, but aren't necessarily in love. Yeah. Kind of like, like I'm fond of you. I'm fond of you too. Yeah. It's, I don't want to give anything away, but okay. yeah. Fair. Um, and so at the time, no one thought that this could really be done with a show like this. And Lerner and Lowe actually shelved their version for a while. And then they split up, worked on some other projects, and then Pascal died. And they decided, hey, let's pick this up again. And then MGM went, hey, now the rights are up for grabs. We want it. Mm. And you can't have it. Base? To get the rights. Oh, And really? so Lerner and Lowe went, okay, well, fine. We're going to write the show and cast the show and hire technical directors and all this stuff. And you ain't going to be able to do nothing about it because we're going to have this completed show in five months. And they had a completed show in five months. And the bank that owned the, sh the uh, rights to the show went, here you go. So was the whole thing they only had five months before the rights expired? And so um, they were just basically racing MGM. 
So, okay. so, but MGM was also trying to do a show. So they're both trying to do a show at the same time, mm-hmm. but the other guys were able to put it together and get it done faster. And and with MGM too, I mean, they were a big movie studio, and here are these two playwrights, and it's like, oh, we'll be fun. It's kind of like those '90s kids movies that we used to grow up with, with like the big team that's going to do better than oh, and the the under the, and the smaller dogs came in and went. Yoink, this is ours. But we've got heart, and that's what really matters. You gotta have heart. <laughs> all you really need is heart. You may have your, your big fancy boardrooms and all of your money, but we've got gumption. And so, um, the original cast of this show included Julie Andrews as Eliza Doolittle. You remember Julie Andrews, right? I am familiar with the name, and I don't want to say what I think she's from because then I'll. Okay, is is she um um um. The sound of music. Yes. Okay, she's the one dancing in the field, talking yes, she to was the dancing mountains. Okay. in the fields, talking to the mountains. Um, <sighs> okay. And this was actually one of her early. <laughs> this is one of her early and most famous roles, and we'll kind of get into some fun stuff about that later. And then Rex Harrison was Henry Higgins. What's the name? Rex Henderson? Rex Harrison. Harrison. We're going to see him again with Camelot, I believe. So I have, we haven't seen him in anything Mm-mm. yet? Okay. Not yet. Um, but he was pretty big at the time for Broadway. Um, the show had a pre-Broadway performance at the Schubert Theater and then at the Erlinger Theater. I know I pronounced that wrong. Um, before premiering on Broadway on March 15th, 1956... It ran for 2,717 performances. Whoa! Yes. From 1956 to 1962, and thus held the record for the time. No, bravo. Yep. Uh, This show's been revived a few times, and it's still regarded as one of the greatest musicals, like every version. I know I have seen this spoofed at least half a dozen times. Family Guy for sure. They've spoofed it... Gosh... Probably half a dozen times. A whole episode is yeah. spoofing this show. Yeah, I remember that, and I know I've I know I've seen it spoofed in other things. So it's that's, you know, you know that's the theme with me is I'm familiar mm-hmm. with the spoofs and the references. And but... that's fine. Now you're going to have a context for the references, yeah. and when I start cracking up, you can crack up for the same reasons, possibly. Possibly, if I remember, <laughs> and you'll be like, "Hey, remember that from the show?" And I'll be like, "Oh yeah." Um, the version we're watching is the 1964 film. So probably the version that the majority... Yes, the majority of people are familiar with with this version. And it's notable for a few reasons. Uh, Rex Harrison came back for the film, so we're going to see him. But Warner Brothers was kind of like, well, Julie Andrews is this young actress and nobody knows her and she's never done film before. So we're going to cast Aubrey Hepburn instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and there is a big difference between film acting and stage acting. Um, yeah, but to be fair. Yeah, like... I mean, absolutely. It's, it's very different. I've done both, and I prefer stage. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It's easier for me because my voice naturally projects, which film hates. Oh, really? Yes, because you've got the boom mic right here, so... Oh, uh, okay. Everything's picked up by that microphone, which we're going to get into miking with this show. Um, and so Audrey Hepburn was cast as Eliza Doolittle, 
but she couldn't really sing well, like not Julie Andrews well. So instead of like having Julie Andrews dub it, they got Marnie Nixon to dub it. So like Julie Andrews isn't attached to this version at all. But she's the one who made the... But she's the one who made the role. The Broadway. Yeah, She's the one who made the Broadway one so popular but yes. she's not in the movie at all she's not in the movie that at is all. a slap to the face man yeah and uh aubrey hepburn only sings one song in this called just you wait and it's because it kind of needed to be a little bit less refined of a song but funny enough this is the year that mary poppins came out mm. which was julie andrews oh so Suck at Warners. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, Rex Harrison, this is kind of funny because he has a little bit of a track record, especially with this show, of being a little bit like, well, I don't want to do that. Just like being... So I'm not going to go on stage. Kind or of I'm being not... a prima donna. Yeah, like, if I don't bit. get my way, I'm not going to do this. Like, he, he refused to go on stage on opening night because there was a live orchestra and he'd never sung in front of one before. Okay. He's like, get thought, these interlopers out of here. I thought you were a professional. Yeah. Like, do, 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 just go out there and sing. Like, yeah. It was. It's one of those things that when I was researching for this one, I was just like, Rex, what you doing, bud? What you doing? <sighs> man. Why, man? The thing that makes me laugh is with people like that, like as soon as they can get someone who can do it at least as well as you, or maybe even not necessarily as well as you, but they're easier to deal with. I will say... I can't see anyone else in this role. Well, because especially because of the prima donnaism, I'm like, oh, you weren't acting. I oh. mean, he probably was. <laughs> <laughs> that was mean. <laughs> but yeah, um, his prima donnaism, however, uh, came up in this show because he refused to have his lines pre-recorded, which was a standard practice at the time. So you would re you would pre-record what you were going to sing, and then they would play it, and you would lip sync over it while you were acting it out. And um, and this is for film, right? This is for film. Okay. And he was like, "Uh-uh, I'm not doing that. No." And so this led to a bit of movie magic. Sound pioneer George Groves hooked him up with a wireless mic. This is the first time it's used in film. Wow. Yeah. This... All because of a prima donna. So really, advances in technology are being made because of a little bitch. <laughs> I'll probably get a hate tweet or a hate email. Call him a little bitch. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna call it like I hear it, and see it, and smell it. He smells like a bitch. And now I'm just going because I want to make Kay laugh more. Are you okay? My abs. <laughs> Another character in this film named Freddy, uh, who is where the eh about the love interest sort of thing comes from, he had his singing voice dubbed in too. Uh, the actor that played him was Jeremy Brett and the singer was Bill Shirley, 
But people don't remember that as much because it's like, Aubrey Hepburn! But that's not her singing! Lay gasp! Um, and actually, uh, this film was shot entirely in studio, which pissed off Lerner. And Aubrey Hepburn being cast pissed off Lerner because he was like, no, film it in London. I mean, you've got the magic of film, but you can also film it on location where it set takes place. And also, where's Julie Andrews? <laughs> <laughs> and that's also kind of the reception that a lot of people had with the movie. Um, like just when, uh, like you'll have some people who don't like the movie as much as like any stage plays or anything because it's like, well, but Julie Andrews made this role. Yeah. I... And I agree there. Um, I do like this version. And this version actually won Best Picture. Oh, really? Yes. It won eight Academy Awards. See, what sucks about that is that the original creators who and like the people who, who mm -hmm. made it popular initially, and then like Julie Andrews isn't in it, and yeah. then it goes on to do eight to get eight Academy Awards without her, and it's like, and it almost makes like the studio heads be like, "See, we know what we're doing." She still got Best Actress that year, though, for, oh, Mary, for Mary Poppins. Poppins yeah. So, True. <laughs> you know, still suck at Warner's. Yeah, that's not the title of the episode, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> not yet. I no. If we say it enough. <laughs> no. Um. I. Little bit of uh pulling back the curtain for you guys to see backstage. Most of these episode titles are lines that are either said by Warren or myself, or something referenced. I'm still upset that we didn't do the Runyons for Guys and Dolls, but, you know. <laughs> it's a little too obscure. <laughs> yeah, that's... But again, suck it, Warners. <laughs> oh my god. Warner Brothers, we don't hate you. Please don't come after us. Oh, it's true. We don't. This is past... It's like anybody at Warner Brothers now is not responsible for what oh, had no. happened. No, no. We're, is... we're dragging on the, the dumbasses who were in charge before mm -hmm. the smart people now. Yes. Yeah. The very smart people. The, the very, very good smart people. The very smart, attractive people who have good brains that do good thoughts. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing. Now that you're briefed a little bit, we're, and I'm going to need this, we're going to take a brief intermission, and then you're going to find out why the English can't learn to speak. What? You'll get it in a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Warren, it's time for the best part of every intermission. Getting snacks that we can't bring back into the theater? Even better. Now that the lights are back up, we can look into the playbill. This week, we have some exciting news with our Patreon sponsors. Our alpha sponsor, Jasmine Wu, is now joined by Bianucci. We have two sponsors, Kay. Sweet. This is super exciting. I can't believe that we have two sponsors already on our show. And thank you guys so much for contributing to our show. We greatly, greatly, truly, truly appreciate it. And we can't thank you enough. Thank you truly from the bottom of our hearts. Seriously, guys, thank you so much. 
And here's a message from one of our favorite podcasts called History on Blast. Hello, and welcome to History on Blast. I'm Hillary, and I'll be your host as we call out history. Every other week, we'll be putting a different person, place, time, or event on blast for the shit that they pulled. This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. And now, the lights are going down and the music is starting back up, so let's hop into the second act of the show. Warren, so what'd you think? We're getting up in the morning. It's 10.30 right now. We've got to record our podcast now. That song, that, that musical was three hours long. Yep. Ah, uh, yeah. Wow. It was funny. We were getting ready to watch it and I was like, wow, two hours and 53 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. Yep. I do kind of feel like they probably could have cut out 53 minutes and it probably would have been a little better pace. Yeah, I agree. There was was some some stretched out stuff in the middle there that I don't think was necessary. One thing I will say, this absolutely, absolutely, maybe more than any other musical we've seen besides a sung-through musical... Mm-hmm. had like the most songs yeah Just, like it was like song after song after song after song which not poo-pooing a lot of them mm-hmm. were, were good and catchy yeah um but I'm, I'm i'm gonna be a little critical of this oh that's fine show. um because i was a little annoyed with the movie there were mm-hmm. some things that i found really annoying and because it opens with <laughs> it opens with flowers bitches love flowers <laughs> Initially, I was going to say, uh, fair ladies love flowers, but I thought that that line was funnier. Oh my and God. The entire opening thing is just on the flowers. Mm-hmm. And I got later, it's because she's a flower girl. Mm-hmm. But, you know, other movies, other movies would have had an opening credits that would have been more than just a monothematic imagery. Because, like, in the opening scene, they're in the market, and that could have been the opening credits. Like, mm-hmm. people walking around, you could have had the tune, you could have shown you know, the flower girls, you could have even shown Eliza. Uh, yeah. And you still would have had like at least an engaging, I think it's, it might've also been due to the time that it came out. Cause I know yes. some older movies, they have very boring intro credits. Yeah. And I mean, so, um, and I had meant to say this earlier cause we have done a learner and low show. It's just that it's only for Patreon viewers. And it was one you showed me. Oh. Paint Your Wagon is also Learner and Low. Okay. And which I apologize. So um, I didn't say his full name. It was Alan J. Learner. I just called him J. Learner. Sorry about that. Sorry, Al. But uh, yeah, the opening credits to Paint Your Wagon were definitely more engaging than these because <laughs> at least they had like painted, or pa- not painted wagons. Wow. It's 10.30. Um, 
we go to bed at like eight normally. Yeah, we're we're boring. We get up um, early. But yeah, the the opening credits that should have been assigned to me because it's been a while since I've seen My Fair Lady, and so each time a scene was dragging on, I was going. I've blocked this out, <laughs> and my brain has just remembered the important bits and cut out the fluff. You know, and that's because the thing is, it's a good show. Like it's, mm, it's it like, is good. It's good. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make fun of some things, but it was good, and I mm-hmm. did enjoy it. I did like it. Um, I'm very, very, so grateful we were able to watch this with subtitles. Yeah, <laughs> because the opening dialogue. There's an old lot of this and that and all this right now. That I had no idea what the funky monkey anyone was saying, y'all. And yeah. it was, it was, uh, yeah. If we didn't have subtitles, even with subtitles, I was like struggling to to keep up with what some of these savages were saying. Oh, like, <laughs> it wasn't English. They weren't speaking English, but uh, you know, because it uh, the the whole thing really opens up with Eliza trying to sell her flowers and mm-hmm. people are i don't know if they were coming out of the theater or they were coming yeah. out of somewhere yeah rich people were coming out of somewhere and they were forced to mingle with common folk as is the case and was it freddie freddie yes. bumps into eliza mm-hmm. and knocks her over and there's a big huff huff about it and she's going on about it ranting raven just how people can't treat her like this she's not just something to be walked all over and this guy comes up to uh, Eliza and says, oh, this there's a guy over there who's taken down every word you're saying. Mm-hmm. So she starts to freak out. She thinks that he's a cop or something. Some, something bad's going to happen. Like I said, even with subtitles, I was not sure what the hell mm-hmm. she was saying some of the time. Yeah. Um, and it turns out to be worse than a cop who's going to arrest her and throw her in jail. It turns out to be a douchebag language professor or a phonetics <laughs> professor, <laughs> Professor Higgins. And uh, he, his initial song, kind of, I guess kind of his intro theme, was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, just criticizing people on how they pronounce English words and stuff like that. And it made me laugh because he has a thing he's talking. It's the language of Shakespeare, Milton, the Bible. It's like, <coughs> um, not that last one. Yeah, like, no. You might read it in English, but you know it's... <laughs> the middle east right yeah it's it was not written in english originally (laughs) it reminds me of uh that line specifically reminds me of a knight's tale have you ever seen that movie no so there's a great line in it where these englishmen and these uh, frenchmen are arguing about who their which knight will win in this Mm -hmm. competition so they end up betting like all the money that they've saved up so far and at one point, like, the French guys are ridiculing the English. And they're like, oh, French wine is too sweet for English bellies. And they're like, oh, the Pope is French. And stuff. And one of the English guys goes, the Pope may be French, but Jesus was English. Oh, God. And that's kind of what that reminded <laughs> me of. Jeez. But, um, and then oh. Eliza shows up. Well, because uh, first Higgins says, he boasts in front of all these people, oh, I could turn her into a lady in six months. Like, I could have mm-hmm. her at a ball wooing everybody, because that's how great I am. Mm-hmm. And Eliza, after getting some money pilfered by her dad, is kind of like, hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take him up on that offer. So she goes and tracks him down, puts on her, her best Sunday clothes, is kind of mm-hmm. what it seems like. Tries to look as much like a lady as possible, and he ends up 
God, he ends up uh, more or less deciding to take her on as his project because she's mm-hmm. so delightfully low. Oh gosh, so delightfully low. She's she's a just a dirt covered pebble, and I might be able to brush some of that dirt off, and maybe I'll find a diamond underneath. And uh, he has the line of like he like she should be hung by the neck for her murder of the English language. Oh yeah, that was uh that was when they were still in the street, I th- oh, was? think. Yeah. Like oh okay. But it was yeah, that that just blew me away. He's like, kill her because I don't like the way she talks. I was like, ooh, geez, okay. But uh and then uh uh Higgins meets uh well, Pinkerton? Pink uh Pickering. Picker Pickering? Yes. Pickering. Sorry. Uh, Higgins meets Pickering, and it turns out that, like, Pickering had come from India to meet Higgins. Higgins was going to leave London to go to India to meet Pickering. And I was like, oh, look at this. What a small world. Two dicks meet in London to touch each other. (laughs) These guys were a little gay for each other. I mean, nothing wrong, but they're a little gay for each other. Uh, And then after they leave, you know, because they're having their bromance, like, oh, where are you staying? Oh, come stay with me. Mm -hmm. Da-da-da-da-da. Eliza goes off and she, because after she kind of throws a fit about him, I can't remember what it was he said or did to her, but then he's like dropping a handful of coins in her bag. Yeah. So she ended up getting a pretty good uh, night's pay for her flowers that got spilled all over the the road. Mm -hmm. And then she ends up kind of having her I Want song, Mm -hmm. like as a Disney princess. And uh, it's the Wouldn't It Be Loverly, which is one of those songs that I knew outside of the show mm-hmm. didn't know it was from the show mm-hmm. and i have even used that for years in my life i would just <laughs> if something was going on i'd be like wouldn't it be lovely and i didn't even know it was my fair lady now i do <laughs> my horizons have broadened uh and then and then i have it in here wouldn't it be lovely if i could understand thee because <laughs> until she starts speaking I, I guess i did kind of get used to her way mm-hmm. of talking thank you subtitles and i kind of became desensitized to it mm-hmm. uh and then after seeing eliza's piece of crap father were treated to an unexplained time were explained uh, treated to an unexplained break in the time space continuum in the form of people freezing in the street as they walk because reasons because theater because no it's nothing like I could get if it was something artistic, like everybody else is frozen, but the main character's like walking maybe to, mm-hmm. I don't know, symbolism. But it was just, let's just freeze for no reason. And I, <laughs> I don't know why. It, 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 it made my brain unhappy. But... <laughs> and then uh, that was when I was like, oh, I get it now. We're subjected to flowers in the beginning because she's a flower girl clever oh Uh, god uh it's like i would have thrown her out but she sounds so terrible i thought you might want to record her horrible screeching there we go that's when she shows up Mm -hmm. that's when she shows up to uh higgins house to ask him to teach her how to be a lady and speak like a lady so she can get a job in a flower mate's shop because you don't want to sell flowers on the street no more which I don't blame her. Sounds like, mm-hmm. a, sounds like a rough gig. Yeah. Um, and then these guys are such raging ass clowns. <laughs> like, she doesn't have feelings. Feelings are for for, for people, not this gutter snipe. Mm-hmm. And just 
even even though uh, Pickering gets better later mm-hmm. on, he's and even he is better even in the beginning. Kind of like, oh, you can't keep doing this. Like, you yeah, can't, you, you can't keep talking to this girl like that. He still was kind of guilty of being a, a dick towards this this lower human being. <laughs> um, Higgins is hilarious but horrible. He's entertaining and detestable. I love to hate him. Yeah, and I kind of continue that throughout. Like he, he's what's the name of the actor? Uh, Rex Harrison. Great job. Rex Harrison mm-hmm. did a great job. Sounds like he's kind of a... He's the one that was a prima donna. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. So he's... I don't know if he's a jerk in real life or not. Or if he was. Maybe a little bit. I'm not sure. Well, maybe he played a prick so well in this because he's a bit of a prick in real life. Mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just saying. He's drawing yeah, some real inspiration there. <laughs> but it was funny when I realized, and I asked you this, he also played Dr. Doolittle in the original yes. Dr. Doolittle movie, mm-hmm. which I found it funny that he played Dr. Doolittle, and then in this movie there's Eliza Doolittle. It just kind of just kind of tickled my brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Eliza gets taken upstairs <laughs> to get cleaned up <laughs> after Higgins has agreed to, to take her on for six months. Mm-hmm. And she fights when the maids are trying to get her to take off her clothes and take a bath. Mm-hmm. Like, I have never seen anyone fight this hard to not get a bath since the time I tried to wash my childhood cat. You tried to wash your childhood cat? Which one? Wasn't you into... Um, might have been Max. I don't remember. Oh. I don't remember. I think it was probably Max. He he had gotten like something sticky on him. And so I thought... I think he'd like syrup. I don't remember. I don't remember what. It was a long time ago. I was a little kid. It was summertime. And I was like... He can't reach that part of him. I'll help him out, and I'll, I've washed the dog before. How hard can it be to wash a cat? He did not like it. That's why he would stand outside our door yowling every single night. Maybe it was revenge. He was going, <laughs> you remember the bath, asshole? How's your sleep going? I'll sing the song of my people. Yeah. Oh, rest in peace, Max. Um, and then... Um, he had then Higgins has his song about. Uh, no, let's see. He has this one later. Why can't women be more like men? But first, he has his. Uh, basically, women are detestable. Why do we? Yeah. Need women? I don't need a woman. I'm a. I'm a bachelor for life. I don't yeah. need women around me. Women are nothing but trouble. And it made me think he's a prime candidate for the He-Man Woman Haters Club from Little Rascals. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, who hurt you, Higgins? Who hurt you? I was thinking the same thing Cause it's like the he, whole show. He makes references that make it very obvious that he's been in relationships yeah. before. And it's like, I'd be curious to see that because it's like, I bet he's just a raging asshole. But yeah, it's it's more of like, I don't know. He it, Someone probably did break his heart, but he probably was asking for he it. He probably <laughs> was asking for it. Uh, and then, oh my God. And then Higgins, during the song, he goes over to, like, all of his different uh, records and turns them on and, like, makes them fast <laughs> and squeaky to, like, emphasize this point. To, to Basically to, like, simulate women chattering and being like, this mm-hmm. is what it's like to be around a woman, how annoying it was. But to me, it sounds like, it would sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks high on helium. Mm-hmm. I was going to add another line to that that I thought was really funny, but I was like, I'm already cursing a bit in my notes. I should probably tone it back. <laughs> So, uh, Alfie, who is her father, Mm -hmm. needs to die, like, right now. Like, Mm -hmm. right away. Die, Alfie, die. I know he kind of 
kind of, kind of, if you squint, Mm -hmm. gets a little bit of a redemption later. (sighs) Exactly. Exactly. Not really. You've got to squint so hard your eyes are closed. Very well put. You've got to squint so hard that your eyes are closed and you're imagining it. Yeah. Uh, It's in fan fiction. I don't want a fan fiction of Alfie. No, thank you. I don't think there isn't. Then Alfie has his with a little bit of luck song. And I was like, with a little bit of luck, Alfie will cease to be a blight on London. (laughs) Every time, because they're walking around this construction site and there's all this stuff. And I'm like, come on, can something fall, hit him in the head? Can he Mm -hmm. fall down the hole, break his neck? We don't need Alfie. He's just there to be hated. And Alfie couldn't be prouder thinking his daughter is an in-house prostitute. Make daddy proud, Eliza. Because he even makes that comment. Oh, I knew she would go somewhere. Like, wow, I'm bad at doing that accent. (laughs) I I can't do that. At least not right now. Uh, and, And I love that he goes to talk to Higgins and he basically says, I'm a piece of crap and I like it that way. Now give me money so you can have my daughter. Yeah. Was in a nutshell what he told her, like, or told Higgins. Just like, you can give me, give me five bucks for my daughter. Uh, granted, it was five pounds, and no, that was a lot more money back then, but... Uh, and then we have um, Higgins trying to just have her recite her vowels. Mm-hmm. As I say, hey, Eliza, say your vowels right or I'll starve you. Because he's like, you won't have lunch, you won't have dinner, no more chocolates. And then uh, <laughs> she has her just you wait. Soon I will have my revenge. Soon. And she goes into this... <laughs> fantasy like she does her song and she goes into a fantasy and the screen gets a little fuzzy mm-hmm. which i thought was kind of interesting it's like okay she's fantasizing the king comes in and she tells him that the king's uh you know in, no, not infatuated with her but just mesmerized with her yeah and she and he's like i'll give you anything you want she's like i want higgins head he's like done we'll have him killed and then she's like in the middle of her fantasy mm-hmm. and then comes out of it and Higgins is standing on the stairs looking <laughs> at her. I was like, even in a musical where people will break out into song in front of total strangers, this was an in-universe musical psychotic break from reality. That is how rough Higgins' treatment of her is, is that even by musical the- musical standards she had a musical break from reality where higgins was on the stairs looking at her going is that bitch singing on the like what is she doing and like that happens a couple of times in this show where someone like in a song that we'll be covering in a little bit people are trying to work around eliza and she's singing and stuff and True. Yeah. True. So like, but they, they were more like just going on about their day. They didn't seem to be well, like trying to go about getting her to bed and stuff. All of that. And, but there, that's the thing too is they were singing with her when they were doing it, that. True. He was just standing. Like I just picture him standing on the stairs, looking at this girl who's just singing and spinning around, talking about how he's gonna get his, and <laughs> soon she'll have her revenge on him. But uh, and then it kind of jumps. Little, you know, I assume it's maybe weeks or something, or maybe a month in the the future. And Higgins has been working night and day with her, and his staff is just doing this song, singing about poor Professor Higgins, poor yeah. Professor Higgins, yeah, poor, poor Professor Dickface Higgins. Like <laughs> it's so rough to be 
a rich white guy in mm-hmm. England trying to teach this this poor woman, especially when he's just constantly belittling her. But uh, and then he, I see. I don't want to get too far away. Okay, so I think this is about. Yeah. Okay. This is about where she has her actual like awakening and she starts to start speaking proper English because mm-hmm. he sits down with her and he's like, you'll get this. I know you will. And for me, I think it was the first moment in the entire show that he's actually nice to her. Yeah. And is actually encouraging her. And it's like, whoa, you're being nice to me, Professor Higgins. I don't know how to deal with this because she just kind of freezes. Yeah. She just kind of freezes like, a, like, did that just happen? Mm-hmm. Kind of thinking that that's like when the gears in her brain clicked and she's doing the, uh, <clears throat> they, they start doing their, she's, I think she's got it. Yeah. I think she's got it. And I remember thinking to myself, horrible Higgins' head has happily been severed and, and sent to Spain to be buried in a plane as his assery is making me insane. Is... Is it, is this rain outside? Because um, rain, rain was in there. And again, everyone is frozen in time for no real reason, except this time they're fancy, so that's new. Because after I think she's got it, they're like, let's do a test with her. We'll take her to the races, mm-hmm. see how she does. And it cuts to, you know, rich hoity-toity people, frozen in time again for no reason. Everyone should be. Here is here. Yes, yes. KK knows things that I struggle to remember. I love that song. This is just so so silly. It was really it was really robotic in a lot of ways because they're all just not moving except they're singing and then the like turn and and just Mm -hmm. it was very it was very I don't know upper crust English robots. It was kind Uh of bizarre. But uh, then I have it. We're English upper crust. We're so excited, but we can't express it because that would be proper. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, and uh, Higgins, you know, shows up and he finds his mother there, and she's like, "Oh God, what are you doing here?" <laughs> yes. Kind of thing. And I, that was great to see his mom, his, you know, his own mother's like, "Oh, my son is an asshole." <laughs> and uh, he, you know, she's like, "You're not dressed for for Ascot." Was it Ascot? Yep. You're not dressed for Ascot. He's like, "Oh." Like, I washed my shirt, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then he gives her the four one one. Hey, I found this common girl. I have a bet to prove that I can turn her into a lady. I'm gonna have you. T- she's gonna test you. You know, uh, she, she's been told to stick to just weather and and health and health. How's your health, <laughs> kind of thing? And uh, <laughs> it made me laugh because you get to see Higgins' interaction with the other upper crusts of English society. And I just, I kind of felt like, okay, well, it's nice to know that he's an asshole to everyone, even the upper crust and not just the bottom crust. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, he's, he's an equal opportunity asshole. I can appreciate mm-hmm. that at least. And then she has, uh, uh, Eliza does a pretty decent job initially of kind of, uh, masquerading i guess mm-hmm. um people don't know right away but then her vernacular starts to kind of slip and she starts using mm-hmm. slang and stuff like that and i did like her how she just kind of went off the rails talking about her aunt who they think was murdered because <laughs> poisoning with gin like it was i can't recall the whole thing but that bit made me laugh quite a bit like made me chuckle and I thought it was funny. Freddie is just infatuated with her kind of thing. She, I mean, she looked very pretty. She was mm-hmm. very dolled up and 
I like the hat. <laughs> so, and then as they're getting ready to kind of walk away, he gives her his ticket. Like, oh, yes. you'll enjoy the race more if you have a ticket. You know, mm-hmm. it was number seven. It was Dover. Right? Yep, Dover. Dover. And that was one of your, you were funny because you were, I could, <laughs> Kay, Kay is sitting next to me and I could feel her excitement level building <laughs> for the scene that was to come. And it was just really funny to watch because she was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It was like just this this excitement volcano getting ready to erupt. And then she says, all the English people are being proper watching the horses run by. And she's like, come on, Dover. Come on, Dover. Move your blooming arse. <laughs> and you hear, people are fainting. Yeah. I love the woman just, oh, she faints. The woman said arse. <laughs> uh, that was funny though. But uh, that made me laugh. And they kind of, are a little defeated to an extent. They're like, ah, oh, she failed, blah, 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 blah. And it made me laugh because then you have Freddy mm-hmm. who shows up at her house wanting to give her flowers. Mm-hmm. And he had the line, like the, the crap, what's her name? The headmaid? headmaid? Oh, I can't remember her name. Well, headmaid <laughs> takes the flowers and she's like, would you like to come in and wait? And he's like, oh no, I want to drink in the street where she lives. And I don't feel like I heard that right because I'm like, <laughs> I want to drink in the street where she lives. I expect him to like turn around and pull out a flask and just start getting wasted on her steps. And I was just like, dude, I mean, her dad's a booze hound. She probably wants to get far away from a guy who reminds her of dear old daddy douchebag. But then you were like, no, he wants to drink in, comma, the street where she lives. As in, take in the view. As mm-hmm. in, be there. And I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. Silly, silly Warren. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Pickering. He is very upset about the failure at the uh, the track. And he's like, we're done with this. It's over. No more. We're, I'm done with the bet. I'm pulling out. Jump cut. <laughs> it's been six weeks all of a sudden. This is madness. She will fail. You'll kill us both. Yeah. Kind of thing. That part made me laugh. He's like, I'm done with this bet. We're done. No more. And then, like, it's in this. They're still zoomed in on him. And then it, like, literally just cut. Boop. Clothes are different. And they're Mm -hmm. like, this is insane. What you've done with her in these six weeks. And I'm just like, we couldn't even get a training montage. Like, like, couldn't even get a training montage. Like, okay. And, uh, cause he had to teach her how to walk and how to bow and how to sit, how to address a Dutch and a Duke and, uh, all these different nobilities. Cause I guess there's subtle differences in how you address different nobilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't know that. I'm just a plebeian. So, <laughs> and then, um, Eliza looks like a lady. She's very dolled up, uh, complete with that belief that she is immobile unless a man's arm is presented to her. You're not a person, Eliza. You're a decoration. Remember that. Oh, oh but hey, I will say, like, um, she looked really good. Yeah, like, very, she did. Very pretty, very nice dress. Mm-hmm. Lots of cool jewelry. She definitely looked like she was going to a royal event. Yeah. And that's where we have the intermission and more flowers. Mm-hmm. More flowers, Kay. Yeah. There were more flowers. Look at the flowers, it's Warren. <laughs> Look at the flowers. Hey, I will take a bullet in the back of the head right now. I, I'm ready to go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> forever. No. Uh, 
And so they show up at the palace. And I assume it's a palace where they show up. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't. Yeah. Well, like an embassy. Okay. More so. Okay. That's actually that's... true. That's right. He says he takes her to the embassy ball. So uh, he takes her to the embassy and Higgins runs into his pupil Zoltan. Zoltan, however, Zoltron, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> I wish I was big. <laughs> Is that Zoltar? Yes. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Okay. <laughs> And then he's like, I'm your people, Zoltan. Don't you remember? Your, your finest, your greatest. I'm... And he's like, I'm a surprise character designed to cause a sense of impending doom in the second half of the plot. <laughs> but really, he's only in this one scene. Like, I thought he would be in it a little bit more. I'm not mm-hmm. sad to not see him more because he kind of comes and goes and he, he fulfills his need. He's there to be a unknown element. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what he's there to be. And everyone loves Eliza. They love her so much. Zoltan has been tasked with destroying her, finding out who she really is. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, Higgins and... I just popped my knuckle right next to the mic. So. Yeah, I saw the spike there. I'm going to have to fix that. <laughs> um, Higgins and uh, Pickering are worried because Pickering is like telling his wife I think is who it was and he's like take Eliza and get the hell out of here he's like we are bailing on this pull the rip cord hit the ejection (laughs) this guy is an imposter finder run what was that run run and uh it makes me laugh because I don't know just they're because you see the panic in their eyes and as things go um it gets alleviated a bit and then the vampire queen of what? Transylvania oh. comes out and she <laughs> took a liking to Eliza. She sees her and she's like, exquisite. You know, as she's walking down the hall, I think that she, you know, she's aged, decrepit. She's ancient. She needs a new body to inhabit. And I think she's going, I sense this one's a virgin. I can take her and she will be mine. And uh, uh, yeah, so the vampire queen, you know, what? took a liking to Eliza uh, I think she's looking for a new body to jump into. And she's like, here, dance with this man so I can see how I'll look with the others when I inhabit your vessel. We're getting into get out territory and I'm not comfortable with this. Uh, hey, there wasn't a single black person in this movie. You this should feel true. Mm. It's all white people. Mm. Mm. I'm just saying. Mm. It would be a white person who's getting get outed. But anyway, um, after the vampire queen makes Eliza dance with a prince, who I guess was probably her grandson or something. I think she said it was her son. (laughs) No, grandson. She was way too old. She gave birth to him when she was 100. That's that's the age disparity. I don't think she was that old, sweetheart. (laughs) Well, makeup is a hell of a thing. Like, she... So she was around. So the diamonds she was wearing, she was around when those were plants. So she's that old. Uh, and then after Eliza dances with the prince of the vampire Transylvania Empire, uh, gossip starts to spread fast in the royal clique, and uh, Zoltan dances with her and then he immediately goes and starts whispering to everybody and uh pinkerton and higgins are patting themselves on the back so hard because it turns out that all the gossip he was spreading was that she's a fraud 
And it turns out that he identified her as she's not really English. She's Hungarian. She's mm-hmm. probably royalty. She's yeah. had English tutors. Her English is too good. God. And so, of course, Pinkerton and Higgins are just patting themselves on the back super, super hard and, and not giving any credit to Eliza, who was, you know, the the one with the sniper scopes on her, the mm-hmm. one in the, in the middle of it all. And uh, she... And then everybody, like all of his servants are just kissing his butt so hard. Congratulations, Professor Higgins. Let us pucker up a little bit more. Please bend over and give us better access to kiss your ass. <laughs> this is really what it is. It's, oh, you're so brilliant. You're so great. That's all the stuff. I'm like, nobody, nobody is giving even a little yeah. bit of praise yeah. to Eliza. Not even a, and I could see, you could see it on her in the back. Mm-hmm. She's just sitting there like a statue, just kind of like, yeah, I did nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. It's all you. And uh, I felt really bad for her that. And then, you know, understandably so, after everybody leaves the room, she has a breakdown because no one seems to care about her. Mm-hmm. And Higgins comes back in looking for his his fancy flip-flops <laughs> and she throws them at him. Uh, he and Eliza have a spat because rightfully so. Eliza's worried about what she'll do now. Like, the mm-hmm. bet is over. So what's she going to do? Is she going to go back to selling flowers? She doesn't have any skills. She doesn't have any knowledge other than how to speak properly. Yeah. Kind of thing. So understandably, she is very scared about her future. <clears throat> and, uh, let's see. Oh, sorry. As well, Liza's worried about what she'll do now. And then it cuts. Then after she has her altercation with um, Higgins, it then cuts to freaking creepy freddy mm-hmm. who has been mm-hmm. waiting outside the house every night for like weeks yeah for like because because she failed at ascot mm-hmm. and then it jumps to six weeks later at the ball yeah which means he's been waiting outside her house for six weeks yeah dude you creepy creep like yeah uh it's like stock and thee shall receive, I guess, because you know, lesson fellas, if you wait outside a woman's house long enough, eventually she'll notice you. Mm. And Eliza comes out after being, you know, she she decides to grab her stuff and and flee because she doesn't yeah. want to be there anymore. And she runs into Freddy, and Freddy is is you know showering her with fancy words, how how much he loves her, and how much mm-hmm. oh all these things is kind of giving her poetry. And she's just mad at him. Words, words. I've heard all the words. I'm tired of hearing words. I want action. She's mm-hmm. like, I want a man of action. I want a guy who's just going to grab me and kiss me and not just tell me he loves me. And they have their their uh, show me song before Eliza takes a cab to go back to where she belongs. And she goes back with Freddie to where, you know, the story began, where she was yeah. selling flowers back to the dirt and the grime that she was used to before. And Eliza has transformed so much that the dirty, grime-ridden filth she used to socialize with doesn't recognize her anymore. She's, like, hanging around with people that she knew, and they're like, oh, oh, sorry, I thought you were someone. She's like, yes? Who did you think I was? Oh, the light's playing tricks on me, lady. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I did, like, the one guy who's like, can I get you a cab? A lady like you shouldn't be in this part of London. It was <laughs> such a rough scene felt so bad for her. It's true. What I thought was actually cute, though, was that everybody there was singing the Wouldn't It Be Loverly mm-hmm. 
had a a, 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 a <clears throat> reprise yes of that song and it had a very different tone because I, I liked it because the first time we see it it's her talking about how she wants to wouldn't it be loverly if i had all this great stuff if i was living this life of luxury and she's gone off and everybody knows that she's living with this with mr higgins mm-hmm. and it's almost kind of like she had that that energy is kind of permeated the area and these people are also kind of like they're going about their daily lives but they're also in their own heads thinking wouldn't it be loverly if yeah i had my stuff and it was like kind of depressing but it was also oddly sweet mm-hmm. i don't i don't know how to uh quantify it just yeah. right but eliza bumps into her dad and he's come up in the world with just a bit of luck yeah he because <clears throat> when he goes to talk to higgins initially and and higgins gives him money to go away he then tells his uh secretary his maid I can't remember her name, um, to reply to this guy who's been sending Higgins letters because he wants him to come to America and and talk at this 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 group function. The well, I can't remember what it was called, but he instead, almost as a prank, uh, gives them Alfie's information instead. Yeah. And then Alfie ends up going over there and I guess was a big success. And mm-hmm. then the guy that invited him over there ends up dying and leaving Alfie in his will. So yeah. Alfie is now basically a millionaire. Mm-hmm. He's basically a millionaire. And he hates it. He like feels like his life has been ruined to an extent. He's like, I was a poor, worthless, good for nothing, and I liked it that way. Now I've got like expectations, and I hate it. And he's blaming, yeah. blaming the professor for it, and that kind of made me laugh. But uh, then after he kind of gives a bit of a... He gives a bit of a pep talk to his daughter by saying, don't you come home. I ain't going to take care of your lady. You go out and stand on your own legs. Yeah. And it's like, one. Of, it's oddly enough, it's the nicest thing he's ever done for his daughter, mm-hmm. oddly enough. And uh, then he's telling about how he needs to go marry her stepmom. He's got to get married in the morning. Yeah. But first he's got a pub crawl all across London and schmooze with as many ladies of the night as he can yeah before he ties the knot and takes those vows and it it just made me kind of gag but also kind of laugh yeah and it was like that scene went on for way too long that was one of those scenes that i felt like could have been shortened or could have not existed yeah uh i think it i mean yeah there were a few of those and they could have they could have been altered and i think it would have improved the uh flow of the story especially at the end uh mm-hmm. because you know hurry up alfie you're getting married in the morning you need to get in your boozing and whoring before you tie the knot mm-hmm. and then we cut back to higgins because he has another because after he finds out that uh eliza has left he mm-hmm. then is like how dare she leave? Like yeah. kind of thing. Without after everything, women don't do this. Yeah, women don't do that. And he, then he has another. <laughs> or men I, don't do this. He has another Jeez. "I hate women" song. And it's like, why can't women be more like men? And it's like Kay pointed out that this is a very gay song because at one point he sits right down with Pinkerton and starts talking about how men are the best companions, and I wouldn't. I would rather be. With, I wouldn't rather be with anyone else. And da 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 da. Yeah. And the way that they're going back and forth, I'm kind of like why don't you two just just you guys are the best of us it's one of those things that it it makes me so mad for the era and i mean we're still kind of going into that era again but the whole you know 
oh, can't have people be gay on TV or on movies. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, this this whole movie, this whole show would have been at least a little bit solved for Henry. (laughs) But he'd still be a raging douche canoe. Yeah, he's, he's... He's but obvious, he'd, have, he'd have his soft side there. He's obviously a narcissist, mm. um, and it is all about him. So yeah. that's that's just that's a thing with narcissists. He'll always be a raging douche canoe. Yeah, he'll always be a narcissist. Um, but what's funny is he ends up, you know, he leaves his house, he goes looking for Eliza. I don't know why, I think he just went, I don't know if he just went to his mom's house to basically vent. Yeah. And it turned out that Eliza was there. Mm-hmm. And it was, was it that Eliza called her or just showed she up? She just showed up. And her mother is like very impressed with Eliza kind of thing mm-hmm. and rightfully so. And especially from the last time that she saw her and everything like that. And mm-hmm. and I and I love that Higgins' mom loves that Eliza is getting under her son's skin. Yes. Because I love that Higgins' mom is like, my son is an asshole. So when she sees him fretting and being upset about this, she's kind of like, serves him right. He needs Mm -hmm. to be brought down a peg. He needs to be, he needs to have his perspective reoriented. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was great. Uh, And then she's basically telling him, you need to be nice to... Eliza and he's like you mean I have to behave to this thing that I created from squashed cabbage it's a fun nod to Pygmalion huh well okay so the statue wasn't made out of cabbage but the whole Pygmalion myth was the sculptor made a statue out of ivory and he wished that poor elephants yeah and he, he wished though that the statue would come to life or, or he wished that he would find a girl as perfect as the statue he carved because he fell in love with the statue. And then Aphrodite goes, here you go. So there's the nod to Pygmalion right there. And that line, was I made you. Was Pygmalion an asshole too? Well, they don't really say, but. Okay. Well, back to this. Nerd. Kay. I mean, it's it's kind of to this because there's, there's the nod to the source material. No, you're good. It, it, because it makes me want to go on a tangent about the Hercules animated cartoon that I used to watch in the morning. Oh, yeah, let's... So... Let's save that. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, and then Eliza has her You're Not the Freaking Center of the Universe Higgins song, where mm-hmm. basically the sun is going to shine without you, the clouds are going to move, the wind is going to blow, the sea is going to do its thing, like... Everything's going to go on without you. You're mm-hmm. not important. Everything. If those things can go on without you, so can I. Yeah. And I was like, you go, girl. And uh, and it just made me laugh because then Higgins, you know, he he talks about how he's like, oh, I, I did it. I knew I could do it. Like, first mm-hmm. you were, you know, the sniveling whatever he called her. And now you're this, you know, pillar of strength kind of thing. He's like, it's all because of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ends up leaving the house. And as he's kind of mope mope walking home mm-hmm. uh he that's when we get the other song well i guess there's so there's three songs that i knew outside of this musical that i didn't mm-hmm. know were my fair lady well i guess two because the only other one that i knew was my fair lady was i think she's got it i think she's got it mm-hmm. that's the one that i knew was my fair lady um because i've seen it in spoofs and then I guess as well is is uh, I've grown accustomed to your face. Yes. And that's where he goes into I've grown accustomed to her voice, 
and uh, he's just. And I was like, I think he's used to being her being around. Like he has a song for like a minute or two about it. He might miss her. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, and so he goes home, and he has another song talking about, oh well. Her life is gonna totally suck. She's gonna marry that loser Freddie, and mm-hmm. in a year she'll be crawling back to me, like begging for me to take her back and to take care of her. And he's like, "Will I do it, or will I just throw out that baggage?" And he's like, "I'm never gonna take her back." And then he goes into his study and like turns on the recording from when she first showed up at uh, his house, mm-hmm. and he's just moping and looking really sad. <laughs> and then Eliza comes in and does her 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 not proper talk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, Eliza? And then immediately gets stoic and he's like, where are my slippers? And then yeah. like, it's just kind of, it almost ends with just like a, ha ha, oh you too. And I hate that ending. Me too. I hate that, I hate that ending so much there was so much stuff in the middle that could have been cut out or condensed so that you could have had a more satisfying ending Mm -hmm. you i don't you know it's i don't know what they could have done for that ending there's a bunch of different possibilities anything honestly would have been better than where they ended it yeah i hated that ending it was like it's a stupid ending it's like really that's where you end it like okay closure is a thing you know you dragged out the middle way too long but you can't give us some closure in the end Mm -hmm. Uh, so biggest gripe about that entire show is the freaking ending yeah the ending sucks i felt like i felt like someone flicked a booger in my eye that's how i (laughs) that's how i feel about the ending of that because i i'm like i was like you know i would can we get you know a post-credit scene or something like just I don't, I don't like that ending. Something that shows that both characters grew. Yeah, something. Like, something. Or at the very least, because, I mean, Eliza did a ton of growing in this movie and musical, and I want to see that Henry Higgins grew enough for Eliza to come back. Eliza. Otherwise, I would have loved for him, when he says that, for her to pick up the shoe and start beating him to death no with it. No kidding. See, because Eliza, Eliza grew a lot. Yeah. Eliza grew immensely. Higgins almost grew, and then he realized that he was growing. Like, it's like the it's like if the Grinch realized his heart was growing three sizes, and mm-hmm. then he, like, grabbed his chest and crushed his heart back down to normal size. Yeah. That's kind of what Higgins did. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, I can't show emotion to this one. I can't be like, oh, I'm glad you're back, or mm-hmm. I'm sorry I was an asshole. Like he can't. That's and that's part of the the, the narcissism of his character. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those things. I was like, if I was her, it's like, where are my slippers? And they're like, bye. Yeah. Like, like that's that would have been a much better ending of him saying that, and she just turns around and leaves. Then I've been like, bravo, lady. Yeah. But yeah, that. that but it was the fifties, and we can't do that. So the ending. <clears throat> I liked the show overall. Mm-hmm. I did very much like the show. Uh but I do kind of feel like the ending spoiled it just a bit. Yeah. Just a bit. No, the ending does... It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So so imagine that you're eating, like, a bowl of ice cream, and you get down to that very last bit, 
and you find a fly in your ice cream. It had been like, I've been eating this ice cream, not knowing that there was that fly at the bottom. Oh, gosh. That's... You're giving me flashbacks to that coffee that I had. <laughs> Ugh. What, did, it, did it make you feel buzzed? There was an earwig at the bottom of it, so, Ooh. yeah. But that's the same feeling as take, my fair lady. I take my joke back now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was my fair lady. Um, yeah, it's it's good to see it and now know the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, does the stage version end the same yes. way? Are you serious? The stage version and the movie are very close. Uh, so it's not the kind of thing that can be blamed on the studio changing no. it. Well, way to go, original writers. You guys... If this is ever revived, someone please change the ending. If if it gets revived again, because it's been revived like seven times or something, well, and no it, one's changed it, so... If it gets revived again for like the modern era or something, mm-hmm. just... Just someone change the ending. The ending sucks. Like, it just, no. <sighs> okay. Okay. Tired rant over. You're good? I'm good. I've got it out of my You've system. got it out? Got it out That's of my system. good. That's good. So next week is another one of those shows that's referenced everywhere. Um, it's also going to be our first show from the 1800s. So, as in it was written and as performed? It was written and performed in the 1800s. Oh. This will also be your entrance into Gilbert and Sullivan shows. We're going to be doing Pirates of Penzance. So, that's not the one that I am the very most? Yes. It is that one. It is that one. Oh, okay. So, cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I figure this will be a good one to ease you into their shows. You say that with this look in your eye, like they're incredibly racist and you're not good. And then the deep breath just confirms it. So because it was done in the 1800s, I'm sure it's just misogyny and racism galore. This one's just misogyny, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Okay, it's just just misogyny. But yeah, so first Gilbert and Sullivan show. Yay. All right, so thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Again, uh, our opinions on a show aren't necessarily reflective on the show itself. So, But, but they are right. So I hope you share them so that you too can be right. They are right for us, but not necessarily right for others. <laughs> Fair point, Kay, to give a counterbalance. <laughs> So uh, please, uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, please subscribe. Please uh, shoot us a review on iTunes. Um, reviews kind of weigh heavily on there. So uh, like, it, this isn't because we want everyone to say, oh, you're great. But like, five-star reviews honestly do weigh heavier. Yeah, please, if you can find it within you, even if you disagree with us, please give us a five-star. Mm-hmm. Just help us bump up in the charts and... and reach more people so that we can hopefully make more people laugh because that's that's really why we're doing this we're doing it because we enjoy doing it together and we enjoy doing it for you nice folks out there and we hope that uh we we make you laugh as much as we make ourselves laugh yeah and you can even like just put in this episode was my fair lady and that's fine like that's fine 
It's not. It's not for egos. We have non-existent egos. Yeah, we just, we, we honestly don't have an ego at all. We just want. <laughs> we just. We just want people to enjoy it. We yeah. want people to see it, and it's you know, it's nice to see more downloads, more views. It it gives us that extra umph to to record stuff after a long week. Yes, um, and also uh, we do have a Facebook that is tone deaf musical. We also have our Twitter, Which Tone Deaf Musical. Tone Deaf Musical. There's a theme you'll see. Yeah, and then uh, we also have a Gmail that um, if you have suggestions or um, anything like that, you can send us an email. It'll be tonedeafmusical at gmail.com. Um, please. Yeah, yeah if, if, if people have questions, please send it to us and we can do a, a, maybe a Q&A or something. Yeah, that would be questions. totally great. Um, we'd, we'd love to do that. We'd love to interact with listeners more. It would be really great. Uh, oh, and for our $10 patrons, uh, there is something coming up. We'll talk about it more in future episodes towards the end of the episodes. But yeah, uh, there's some more stuff coming. Woo! All right, well, that's it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Tone Deaf. Deaf.